First of all, I'm, I'm really sad because Shaken knew a very old friends of mine. I spent wonderful time in Baroda uh, in the a early 80s, Pupen, Kaka, Sheik, uh, Jody Part, uh, Rekha Radvity, a whole lot. So I've known them very well. So anyway, we'll have to build on what, uh, you know, we couldn't have, you know, integrated them. Okay. Well, what struck me very interestingly is that what he's talking about is unresolved communal issues, unresolved questions of, I, I call it genocide and partition. It was an, 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 an immensely bloody. Now, the thing is that it's interesting when I met uh, Sheikh, um, he wasn't, uh, he didn't talk about these things. I was also very surprised to hear that in the late 60s, am I right? Uh, heard right. He first became conscious of being a minority Muslim because of the riots. And I didn't realize, I just told the riots, there were riots in Gujarat. Because I was talking to uh, Lord Desai, Meghna said that in Gujarat, in fact, it wasn't affected. But it's not true, obviously. So there are these things brushed under the carpet. So partition is a mess. So let's see what we can do about it. Now, the main thing is that um, partition, and here I have to declare personal interest. I was there as a child when the first great riots took place in Calcutta. 16th of August, 1946. Uh, can, can I quickly tell you, without being too autobiographical, several things happened which seared, seared in my memory. One is that my uh, maternal grandfather's house was in the Muslim area. It was a very well-known house. Um, and uh, it was attacked and, you know, destroyed, set fire on and so on. We lived in a Hindu area, my parents' family, our family, and the first thing I noticed is not very good for a child. A young Muslim woman, very young, probably 17, 18, and a child were brought, dragged out of the house, could overlook that, you know, the area from the slums, and beaten to death. That has never left me. And I may also say wife, right from the time I came to England. My first book, Much More Monsters, on to all the work I've done, is to constantly challenge this idea that no community is exclusive. So that, that's the, one of the backgrounds. Uh, just one quick point. My parents, if I may say, were very cosmopolitan. Apart from anything else, we had lots of Muslim friends. We stayed with them, which is rather rare for a Hindu to stay with Muslim families. but. Poor Muslims, there were, we had some tenants, uh, our tenants, and my father decided to put them in, in his car and, and take them out of our area. We, they did, so they were saved. But then when he came back, our house, uh, they had 
double gates uh, locked, but a uh, mob of about 100 attacked and said, we'll, I will kill you, you are Muslim lovers. So these are interest, you know, issues which never leave you. Okay, partition, um, for a long time there was amnesia. People did not talk about partition, really. I mean, if you think of Holocaust, I mean, very few, very few novels and films on the whole riots and the killings. Kuzman saying Chaman Nahal, then the film Garohawa and so on. Very rare. Bengal also was affected, and I have to disagree with uh, Lord Desai that it's not true. Absolute trains came without uh, any single person living, uh, mostly Hindus, because simply because there wasn't that kind of exodus from the other side. Now, so there was this aspect. Bengal is full of literature, novel, painters, painters, painters. Nobody, they dealt with refugees, but never about the actual, the, the killings and, and the, I would say, genocide. So, uh, forgetting. I mean, I know now we are also looking at a partition as a text rather than personal experience. And the thing is that recent, there have been interest in collective memory. Uh, Maurice Halfax and you know, Pierre Noah have done very good work. But I wanted to stress, and recently in an essay I wrote, that forgetting is also a very important aspect. That's happening now, retrospectively, you might say. A um, number of things that we know now. Um, Urvashti Butelia's wonderful work about all the women and children, how the, you know, what happened to them, and gradually books coming out. There's a book I just received from a young woman called um, Anshan Malhotra. She has gone and interviewed both sides, Pakistan and India, Punjab. And of course, this is happening everywhere. BBC series, all about the oral tradition. We have talked about this earlier on in the morning, but th these are very interesting issues. So I would say this forgetting was there for a long time, but now I think we are we have reached a stage where we need to think more clearly and and to think about it. I'm, I'm all right for you're, time. You're all right. Um, I'll quickly finish the points. Uh, so that's an important, very important issue, um, and this is happening, as I said just now. So this has to be recorded. And the other thing is that it's messy because, I mean, we saw this morning, it happens all the time, India and Pakistan, people know each other across the borders all the time. They're always, you know, not only they know, there are a lot of close relationships. Lots of friends of mine, but not I'm not a unique person. Everybody, we all have friends across the borders. And this is where it's a very complex problem. Sometimes people say, like a lot of the interviewees, uh, survivors, they said we lived in great harmony and happily what happened, why this happened. Now, I'll just add this. It's not entirely true. There were conflicts. There were riots. But there were also tremendous uh, understanding, you know, friendship. Above all, finally, religion, Hinduism and Islam, 
came together in syncretic religions. And that is very interesting. There are lots of different aspects. Uh, Siddhike Sai Baba, then Satyanarayana, and so on. Okay, I'll stop at that. So, so these are this the kind of... One of the very interesting things, you many interesting things here, Fakra, but um, one of the things you said was that when you first met he did not No, there was no his, account, yeah. His, you know, and, um, but but yet, one thing I wanted to add here, yes. that Hussein never mentioned. Right. He was always, you know, talked well, about, but we'll come to that. Yes. But, yeah. um, you know, in the 80s, however, mm. when he's experiencing the riots mm. in Baroda, mm. he is painting about it, yes. he is expressing Yes, it. of course. Uh, yet, going back to my question in some way, is that in the first 10 years, you know, putting that display up with my students, by the way, I know my director gave me all credit for it, it's not me, it's my students who've done that. Um, the labels have completely be by, you know, re written by them, researched by them. <laughs> And uh, the question keeps coming up that, you know, this atrocity that BBC is talking about these days, and yet, in the first 10 years, you don't see the artists expressing this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot that's been written about it, a lot that's been said about it, but what do you think about the, why, the, they why they did not express it? And yes, uh, that uh, perhaps leads me to the second yeah. question, Nehruvian utopia. Uh, very interesting. Nehru, of course, was very secular, and he hated this thing about religion, all this kind of uh, stuff, you know. He wanted to uh, create a modern secular state, bringing Corbusier to do modernist architecture. He created art institutions, Lalitkala Academy, and so on. His five-year plans, the dams, and all these things, are very much looking forward to a new India. Forget about the partition. Forget about what happened before. And interestingly enough, one thing I must mention, not only we know that, I mean, Hussein was a great product of this Nehruvian post-independence. There's no question about it. He always, you know, espoused that. He himself always talked about that. But not only that, there's, of course, uh, Saeed Haider Raza using Vedas, um, sorry, and all, all sorts of you know, Sanskrit in, you know, uh, texts. Then you have Padamsi, you know, also in Bombay, secular, as well as Termeta actually spending some time in Shantiniketan and actually using Hindu, uh, you know, uh, uh, religious mythology. But one person I should also mention, you perhaps know him, um, Ibrahim Alkazi. Very interesting. <laughs> Alkazi's family came from Saudi, not sorry, Saudi Arabia, one of the Middle Eastern, Kuwait, sorry, yes, Kuwait. And um, when the, the partition took place and, you know, in Pakistan, he refused to leave for Pakistan. He said, no, the India is my land. And he was one of the most influential art, uh, sorry, theater impresario, teachers, absolutely charismatic figure um, who, you know, really influenced the whole of Indian theater in the post-war, post-independence period. And I have known him, I knew him and uh, also uh, took part in the celebration of his life. So this, these are two big, the pillars of 
uh, Indian secularism. Uh, just just to give you one example, I mean, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is very much the 50s, 60s, even 70s, just about. So let's say all these artists hmm. in the 50s, yes. Alkazi included, everyone taken in by Nehru's charm yes. and ideas of, of course, modern yeah. secular, uh, um, you know, secular modernity. Um, but what's happening in Pakistan? Oh, are, uh, sorry, are, I, 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 mean, I, I they, thank they you for mentioning. They are unrestricted, right? Because yeah. they don't have to go with with Nehru, so are uh, they in the 50s? No, this is um, very interesting. When you, sorry, uh, when you go and look at development in art in the 50s and 60s, modernism, it's kind of somewhat an accident that a lot of the Pakistani and Indian artists um, were trained by André Lourdes in Paris. So they had the same kind of background. Some of the pioneering Cubists and modernist Pakistani painters were very much in, influenced that, and they didn't uh, uh, talk about partition either. They were creating uh, new art in Pakistan. So in that sense, you see, it's very interesting. They were both doing very similar things, although they didn't have much contact, I believe, except through London or Paris. That's again something very interesting that you know they are focusing on Europe. Mm. They're focusing on England, uh -huh. they're focusing mm. on Paris, they're focusing on artists, maybe even Mexico. But the 50s is the height where New York City is concerned, where abstract art there is concerned. Are they, why are we not looking that way as well? Yes. Okay. One very uh, simple question is that we, and uh, Indians, for instance, or South Asians, uh, they always look towards London, of course, for a long time. And then what happened? and artists started looking towards Paris. So it's not that far from London, okay. But again, I have to, this is, shows my age. I remember late 50s, and I used to, I painted. I carefully studied European painters of the 50s, French, uh, German, and various other ones. And studio, international or to studio magazine, something we all read. No mention of Jackson Pollock, you know, Kooning, de Kooning, and any of these. The uh, American abstract expressions had not yet caught on, and yet it was such a very powerful radical movement emerging. So Indian and Pakistani, as both and Indian artists, Hussein is a great figure. Hussein never got trained in abroad. He always remained rooted in India. But uh, Raza and Souza, of course, they were in Europe. Uh, so they were part of that um, uh, milieu. Uh, sorry, one more thing. But there's a political dimension to it. Increasingly, I, I think it's, it's clear that, the, that Cold War politics affected art. Uh, abstract expressionists were seen and presented partly by Russians, perhaps, Marxists and also artists who were semi-Marxist or influenced by Marxism, they all looked at American abstract expressionism as a product of American capitalism and empire, CIA and so on. Uh, so much so that uh, Greenberg actually had to write and say there are two kinds of politically, you might say, correct or radical forms of art, and in America too. If you look at this great period in the 50s and 60s, 
these artists were challenging capitalism with their radical abstraction. Kitsch and meretricious uh, paintings done by, I suppose, on a lower level, which Greenberg actually condemned as really being proper reflection of American capitalism and not the kind of very radical uh, abstract expression. But this was not accepted by any of the uh, Indian artists or you know, any of the people. In that. So, so there's an example, though, I think, about Nakba Pavsar. Ah, thank what you happens... for reminding me. And those of you who live in America or know about America, uh, Nakba Pavsar is a very fine painter. His paintings sell between, well, six to seven figures. And he's quite well known among American collectors. He's not of the, I have to say this, all this is a friend of mine again, that um, he's not quite level of Jackson Pollock and others, but he's certainly next category, very important, very well respected, and shown in America, but because Nutber uh, consciously adopted American kind of way, you know, so he was ignored by Indians, or they've not even known. So he feels very sad. Now he's trying to make up for it. He's from Gujarat. Uh, so that's interesting, and uh, that is uh, one, of, one of the issues. Um, yeah, uh, somebody else was there. Anyway, so, yeah. Uh, oh, Gaitande. Uh, sorry. Uh, may I just finish then, just mention that Gaitande was not popular, no, not, a, not seen as a great figure in Bombay. Quite late. And even when I was there in the 80s, not really. But, but he, he was in America as well for a while, and he's abstract expressions, you might say. Um, only recently, we are much more conscious of these figures. Same. So there is a little bit of expunging of artists oh, that goes very on. Much so. yes, uh, very much so. Very selective. From our, yes. from our, the history that we have writing. Some, so sometimes the country up, kind of totally. True, <laughs> and, and the, their own community as well, yes. here as well. Indeed. So if I could bring it a little bit to your book that you're currently writing with 40 other oh, authors, yes. a large, from 1900 to 2000. It's called 20th century Indian art. Are you art. going to cover all the artists? How do you make sure that you're completely inclusive? Are you totally inclusive? <laughs> what can I say? Are, are there going to be any gaps? <laughs> what can I say? Sorry, I, I, I'll be, I'm damned if I say, I'm, 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 I'm not the only one. That's why I would have to say I'm not wholly responsible. I have two other editors who are equal uh, power and status, uh, Parul Dave Mukherjee and uh, Raki Balaram. We three have, of us, our collective, uh, looked at stuff. And I, ha I have sincerely tried as much as I could to include everybody, but you can't. It's impossible. I mean, unless you write a dictionary. So we have tried. We have tried, let's say. <laughs> it's a feeble, I know. Yeah, yeah. And it's your book at the end of the day as well. well. So.